Well, good morning. As you can see, uh, we had a great Sunday last week as you saw the highlights from our water baptism gathering. And uh, you sure missed a great Sunday to be in person. We want to encourage you to come back and join us. Uh, this is our second last week of our series, Flawed Yet Faithful. And uh, next week, Pastor Dave is going to be here uh, with us finishing off the series and talking about David. And then we dive into a new series called Decisions, Decisions. And uh, that happens right after Labor Day, so you're not going to want to miss any of that. But today, as we talk about uh, Flawed Yet Faithful, we're going to uh, focus in on the story of Gideon. Now, Gideon's story often uh, is about decision-making and testing God. Uh, if you know the story of Gideon, uh, you know that he has a time where he is testing God and he has these uh, pieces of wool fleece that he says, God, if, if you are really with me, I'm going to take this uh, piece of wool fleece and I'm going to put it out tonight. And uh, if it uh, stays dry, but the ground around is wet, uh, when I wake up in the morning, then I'll know that you're with me. And so he does that. And then the next day he says to God, uh, God, I, I need to test you again. And so tonight I'm going to put out this wool fleece again. And if it stay, uh, gets wet, but the ground around stays dry uh, or the opposite of, of that, um, then I'll know that you're with me. And so it's a, it's a bit of a story that of like, if this is what you want me to do, then let this happen. And today it's kind of like uh, asking, uh, talking to God and saying, God, uh, show me a specific sign if this is what you want me to do uh, and whatever that may be. And the question that comes out of that type of testing is what if the sign happens, but things don't go the way that we thought they would? Does that mean that uh, we miss God's will or God's plan? Does that mean that God is not real or that he doesn't care? And I guess my point to it is, with this is, where is relationship with God when we practice that? It's a bit like uh, God is more of a crossing guard for us at major crossroads. You know, uh, when you're a kid and going to school, if you walk to school, I, I took a bus, but if you walk to school, there was a, this person who was a crossing guard and they would uh, hold up their sign to stop traffic and tell you when it was safe to cross and at those major crossroads and get you across. But God in relationship with him, I think, is more like the parent who, who, who would walk, walks with the child to school. But I, the point of it today is there is way more to Gideon's story than trying to get a sign from God in order to know what to do. Gideon's story is a lesson in God working out his will and his plans in spite of our flaws. Remember our series, Flawed Yet Faithful, and still providing a pathway to faith. Our passage to ponder uh, today is Hebrews chapter 11, 39 and 40, and I'm sure you know it well by now if you followed along with our series, but it says this, all these people earn a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised, for God had something better in mind for us so that we, they would not reach perfection without us. We find uh, Gideon in Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 32 to 33, and it's real brief, but let me read it for you. How much more do I need to say, the writer says of Hebrews, the book in chapter 11. It would take too long to recount the stories of, of the faith of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David, of Samuel, and all of the prophets. By faith, these people, and then he continues on with this. 
So Gideon's story, as we read into Hebrews chapter 11, we understand that obviously his story was familiar to the audience of, of the writer of Hebrews because they would have known. He doesn't go into detail about it, about it because he said it would take too long. Interestingly enough, he's the first person in this list and, and really the first of the judges, which we'll talk about in a couple of minutes from now, uh, of the judges to be mentioned. And yet there's other judges before him in the actual narrative of the book of Judges. So uh, we understand that his story is a, is a priority for the, for the writer here. So what is it about Gideon's story? Well, we find his story actually in, in Judges chapter 6, 7, and 8. Uh, at that time in, in the history of Israel, Israel had rejected the true God for the gods of the other nations. They worshipped other gods, and one of them primarily, which we'll talk about a little bit later, was the God of Baal. But there was this pattern that you see if you go through the book of Judges, this pattern of, of Israel rejecting God, of their enemies then advancing or taking advantage of them, uh, because of that, and then they would cry out to God for God to help them, and God would send a deliverer or a judge to rescue them. And in some ways, it's not much unlike us. When things are good, we often forget about God. We, we feel like we're self-sufficient. We don't really need God. And then when things are bad, we, we cry out to God or, or we blame him. And un, this unknown Gideon is selected by God to be the deliverer. Because after seven years of Midianites invading on camels and, and stealing their crops, and, and the writer uh, in Judges describes them like locusts coming on a, a field and devouring everything in it like, like a plague. And then it's in after those seven years that Israel finally in desperation cries out to God. And it's unsuspecting Gideon who then goes through this process of being useful and used for God's purposes. So Gideon's story is all about what God can do through flawed people. So what can we learn from Gideon's story? So uh, stay with me here. We're going to do a bit of a deep dive into his story and learn some things. First of all, let's look at Gideon's flaws. One of his flaws was self-doubt. Gideon had an identity issue. In Judges chapter 6, verse 11 to 16, it says this, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath a great tree, of Orphra, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizar. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. It's worth noting that this would, was not the normal practice. Uh, normally, they would go up to a high area where there was lots of wind, and they would thresh the wheat so that uh, the residue or the the part of it not wanted would be blown away from the wind, but he goes into a, a wine press to hide to do the threshing, and it would have been hot, and it would have been minimally productive, but it was surely a sign of desperation on Gideon's part. And it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And Gideon responds, Sir, and I'm sure he was said, Are you, are you talking to me? with a question mark, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are the miracles of our that our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength that you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. 
But Lord, Gideon said, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest of the whole tribe of, of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. It becomes obvious from these verses that Gideon doubts what God can do and downplays his own identity. And yet in spite of Gideon's doubts or his self-doubt, God calls him, commissions him, and then is with him or cooperates with him. See, God identified some potential in Gideon that he could work with, and he chooses to make Gideon a faith hero just by being with him. Now, my question to you today is this. Do you believe that God is with you? Uh, as you read through the Bible or you study Christianity, and we understand that when we decide to believe in God and keep or begin and keep walking a life of faith or a life of following Jesus, by faith we know that God is walking with us. This is one of the promises we believe that when we begin relationship with God through Jesus, we never go through life alone after that. Uh, we witness that step of, of making that decision from those who were, who were baptized in water, which is an outward expression of that decision. So my question is, do you believe that God is with you? Have you made that decision to follow him? And if you have, and if you believe that God is with you, what is God able to do in and through your life, regardless of your doubts or your self-doubts? See, Gideon had real doubts, but God actually cared enough to reveal himself to Gideon so that he would help him with his doubts. In, one, in the story that we'll read, and we won't dive into it, but at one point, uh, God reveals to Gideon that he's with him. He, he fulfills the signs to help Gideon along, and, and Gideon uh, calls God at that moment, gives him the name Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. At that moment in time, God uh, interacted in Gideon's life to give him the peace that he needed in the middle of his self-doubts and his doubts even about God and his fears. Gideon had a real identity issue. But as you read through the story, God worked in Gideon's life. And literally, Gideon became known at one point because of his obedience to God. Uh, the, the people there gave him a name called uh, Jerub uh, Baal, Jerub Baal. And that literally means let Baal defend himself, or as uh, some of the scholars believe it means, one who fights with the gods. Through Gideon's decision to do what's right, even beyond his self-doubts, and God being with him and helping him, he literally began to become that mighty hero that the angel had called him to be. My point of this is this this morning. If we let it, self-doubt can distract us from who we are, but also from becoming who God wants us to be when he is with us. Self-doubt causes us to second guess, and we'll talk a moment about indecision, but it, it holds us back. It, it, it cripples us if we let it. I like what Shakespeare said. Our doubts are traitors, and they make us lose the good we oft might win with by fearing to even attempt. 
self-doubt, Gideon, one of Gideon's flaws. Indecisiveness was another. Gideon had a trust issue. As we continue through the story, Judges chapter 6, verse 17 to 18, and then we'll skip over to verse 36, 37, and 39 and 40. It says this. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, and he's talking to God here, show me a sign to prove that it's really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you, he answered. Sorry, but the angel answered, I will stay here until you return. Now, this is a quite an interesting part because Gideon at this point says, stay here, I'm going to go and do some things. And he ends up going and making a meal. And you can imagine, it's not like he went home and opened the fridge and pulled out the meal and came right back to that place to meet with the angel. He actually had to uh, prepare it, cook it, and then bring it back. And God waited for him even through that time. Then Gideon said to God, and this is verse uh, 36 through to 40, if you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. And here's the story about the, the fleece that I talked about earlier. I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you're going to help me and rescue Israel as you promised. Then Gideon said to God, Please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece one more time, and this time let the fleece remain dry while the ground around is wet with dew. So that night God did as Gideon asked, and the fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. It becomes obvious again from Gideon's story that Gideon was afraid of making the wrong decision. He was indecisive. He, he was questioning whether God was really with him. And yet in spite of Gideon's indecisiveness, God shows to him great patience and doesn't give up on him. Now I have to be honest today. We tend to be impatient and frustrated with indecisiveness. If you're a person who uh, makes decisions easily, uh, it can become frustrating at times to, to be with people who are, are indecisive. Maybe you've been to a restaurant with someone and, and there's that one person who just can't decide what they want to eat and, and maybe you're starving at that moment and you want to just order and they're like, well, I'm not sure I have to think about it some more. We become impatient. And yet the reality is in life, we can be like that. And we forget that God is patient with us, that he extends his grace to us. And maybe indecisiveness isn't one of our issues, but maybe we have other addictive behaviors or temptations that we constantly go back to and give into or a thought process that, that comes and, and instead of, of working through it and overcoming that, and I know that's not an easy thing to do, but instead of, of we allow those thoughts to pervade our mind and to control us and we don't take them captive as the Bible talks about and, and shut them down. We forget many times that God is patient with us. And God is so patient with Gideon here that he even provides Gideon with an additional sign. In the midst of all the testing, Gideon saying, God, do this and then I'll know and do this and then I'll know. He actually adds an additional thing to help Gideon one more time. And and what happens here, and I'll read it in just a moment, is, is, a, is a, from a dream that one of the Midianites actually has in their camp as they're preparing for battle. And he, he provides a message for Gideon. Judges chapter 7, 
We're going to read verse 9 to 11, then 13 to 14. Listen to this. That night, the Lord said, Get up, go down into the Midianite camp, for I've given you victory over them. But if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Pura. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. So Gideon took Pura and went to the edge of the enemy camp. Verse 13. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. Now think about the timing of this. And the man said, I had this dream. And in my dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent and turned it over and knocked it flat. And his companion answered, listen to this. Imagine Gideon is standing outside the tent. He snuck into this camp. He arrives at the camp just as this individual wakes up from a dream. And the other individual, Midianite, not an Israelite, a Midianite, says this. He answers him, your dream can mean only one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and all its allies. God put all his bets on Gideon as a deliverer that he would fulfill his will through just by being with him. Wow. My point to this, though, is this. Indecisiveness may feel like cautionary wisdom at times. But without a decision at some point to act, nothing of significance to God or for God can be accomplished. I like what this anonymous writer wrote. Be decisive, right or wrong, make a decision. The road of life is paved with flat squirrels who couldn't make a decision. I love that quote. Amazing. Gideon struggled with self-doubt, indecisiveness, he also struggled with self-consciousness. Gideon had a confidence issue. Judges chapter 7, verse 2 to 7, and in chapter 8, verse 1 to 9, and I'll read it, uh, go through here and kind of bring you up on this story. The Lord said to Gideon, and this is as he's preparing to go into battle. And you have to imagine the Midianites are like, they're being described here as locusts. They, they come into this field, they're all there, and it's not just the Midianites, it's other enemies of Israel, and they're in this field, and it's so full, they can't even count how many people, the writer says, uh, warriors and fighters for the enemies of Israel that are in this, in this camp preparing to come to battle with Israel. And God says to Gideon, as he's preparing, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, Whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 warriors or of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. Now, the number that they had, they had 32,000, which still was not, it wasn't a great chance of them winning this because there were so many enemy. Now they're down to 10,000 who are willing to fight. But the Lord told Gideon, it says, I'll continue, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. And when Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told them, divide the men into two groups. One uh, In one group, put all those who uh, cup their water in their hands and lap it up to their tongues like a dog is, uh, for their drinking. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths to the stream. And only 300 of the men drank from their hands. 
All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. And the Lord told Gideon, listen to this, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. Can you imagine? Later on in Gideon's story, after, uh, as when God actually delivers them, and it's an amazing story, you'll have to read it for yourself, of how God delivers them and they don't even have to fight. Later on, then the people of Ephraim, now these are, are Israelites as well, ask Gideon, why have you treated us this way? Why didn't you send for us when, we first, when you first went out to fight the Midianites? So he never invited these, this, um, uh, one of the tribes of, of the Israelites to come and fight. And they argued heatedly with Gideon, but Gideon replied, now look at this. Gideon has already seen God deliver him and do great things and work through him and begin to make him into this mighty hero. But look at here what he says. What have I accomplished compared to you? Aren't even the leftover grapes of Ephraim's harvest better than the entire crop of my little clan of Abizar? God gave you victory over Oreb and Zeb, and these were uh, the commanders of the Midianite army. What have I accomplished compared to that? And when the men of Ephraim heard Gideon's answer, they, their anger subsided. Then Gideon, it says, crossed the Jordan River with his 300 men. Though exhausted, they continued to chase the enemy. And when they reached Sukkoth, Gideon asked the leaders of the town, please give my warriors some food. They're very tired, for I am chasing Zeba and Zalmunna, the kings of Midian. But the officials of Sukkoth replied, Catch these individuals first, and then we will feed your army. So Gideon said, after the Lord gives me victory over these leaders, I will return and tear your flesh with the thorns and briars from the wilderness. And the story continues that the same thing happens in another one of the Israelite towns. It becomes obvious as you read through the story that even after all that God has done in Gideon's life, Gideon was still self-conscious. In the midst of Gideon's story, God is trying to teach Gideon who he needed to put his confidence in. That he couldn't put his confidence in warriors or having enough of an army. He really couldn't even put his confidence in himself. He needed to put his confidence in God. And in spite of God's efforts and what he's doing here for Gideon, Gideon still has these issues that come out in this story of false humility or pride. You know, after he's seen all that God has do, he still sees himself as, as less as he hasn't accomplished anything. And that thing kept him from putting his confidence in God and eventually really being a man of integrity or a person of integrity. That's evidence in, in Judges chapter 8, 23, 22 to 23 and 31. And the story is there is that when Israel wanted later on after a great victory, they wanted Gideon to be their leader. He declined and he says to them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son. The Lord will rule over you. And interestingly enough, even though they go, oh, you are so humble, Gideon, you know that God's going to rule over you. And yet in contrast to that, when Gideon has his first son, he calls him Abimelech which some scholars believe the name means my father is king. Interestingly enough, there's this contrast. And by Gideon saying one thing, no, no, God is your king or he will rule over you. And yet by his actions and even just the naming of his son, he is saying something in the opposite. And it's a lack of integrity. 
My point is this, though. Self-consciousness will keep us from becoming the best version of ourselves. I like what Gloria Naylor says. Self-consciousness is really just a form of egotism. In spite of our flaws, God is still, will, is still fulfilling his will. But there is a better way. From Gideon's story, let's take a look now at God's way of faith and really the reason why Gideon is in this list of the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And it's a reminder for us that if we choose God's way of faith, God is committed to helping us. So three quick things about God's way of faith. One is this, it requires active obedience or action. And you're in the story, it says, Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the wine press. Now that doesn't mean a lot to us, but it does tell us that even in the midst of his fear, Gideon was doing something. He was being active. In verse uh, 27 of chapter 6, it talks about, so Gideon did, it says, so Gideon did, did as the Lord commanded. Even in Gideon's doubt, self-doubt, and even in his doubt of figuring out if God was going to be with him, he still chose to obey God. And then we see in Judges chapter 7, verse 15, where, God, where, God, where Gideon says, get up, for the Lord has given you victory. And Gideon becomes a person of action. If you want to overcome self-doubt in your life, I want to encourage you today to start taking active steps of obedience to God. Doing the things you know should be, you should be doing or maybe the things that God has impressed on your heart to do, but you haven't done yet. I want to challenge you today, no more excuses. And I want to leave this with you with this thought. Concern yourself less with what others are, are or are not doing and ask yourself, what am I doing? The second thing I want to point out about God's way of faith is that it requires confident trust or dependence. It says in Genesis, uh, Judges chapter 6, verse 24, Gideon built an altar to the Lord. The story would really show us that everyone else at that time was worshiping other gods or worshiping other things in their lives. But in the midst of that time, Gideon chooses to worship God and to trust him. And it's no doubt that we, we hear what's next is that in verse 34 of chapter 6, we read, Then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. When Gideon chose to trust God, God responded by giving Gideon what he needed. And then later on, as we read earlier from Judges chapter 7, when Gideon heard the dream from the Midianite, it says he bowed in worship before the Lord. It was then that Gideon recognized that he could trust God and that God was with him. And I want to encourage you today, if you want to overcome or if you struggle with indecisiveness, Start trusting God with your life into leading you. Now, this requires testing what you feel impressed to do. Uh, not everything thought that comes into our mind should we do or thing we, uh, we should say. But this is this idea of testing it and, and saying, God, is this what you want me to do? 
Now, some of it is a no-brainer because if we read the Bible and look at it, it, it tells us what we should and shouldn't do. There's some things that are very clear there in Scripture that we, uh, that we cannot uh, justify our actions uh, and say, oh, this is okay or uh, because of what it says there. But we need to start testing those things that we feel impressed to do. We also need to start trusting God to open and close doors. What do I mean by that? In certain situations, sometimes at major crossroads in our life, we're trying to figure out what to do when opportunities come our way. And one of the things I know that's helped me personally and other believers that I know is this idea of praying and saying, God, if this is the direction you have for me, if this opportunity is for me, would you make it very clear? Would you uh, open the door for that opportunity or close the door? And I can think of situations of transitions in my life of even relocating and, and uh, to uh, different churches and at different times of, of where I felt uh, at the time. And I just prayed and said, God, open and close the door. And there were times when I sensed that even when the good situations, I felt the door was closing or it was very obvious that didn't work out. And I trusted that that was God's will for that season. The other thing we can do is building this confidence in God through life experiences of making decisions and seeing God lead us. When you have some decisions in your life and you're praying about those things and you're trusting God to show you, when he directs you and you sense, yeah, God opened this door for me or God made this possible for this to happen, we begin to build our confidence through that life experience that God is not haphazardly or distant away from us. He is listening and he wants to be actively involved and he will lead us. When my kids were younger, uh, they used to like to play this game called Trust Me. And I'm sure you've heard of it. Uh, one person stands there and the other person goes behind and, and the person behind says, uh, fall back and trust me that I'm going to catch you. Uh, one of my sons even still likes to do that to this day uh, as kind of a joke or a prank. But the point of it is, is that God in some ways, it does the same thing. He asks us to trust him and to depend on him. And when we do this, the question becomes not what am I able to do or unable to do, but what is God capable of doing in my life or in this situation? The final thing we can uh, pick up from Gideon's story uh, this uh, God's way of faith is intentional strategy or just intentionality. God says this phrase to Gideon, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. I, I point that out because of this. I find it interesting. For Gideon to look at that whole crowd of Midianites, that whole uh, army of Midianites, to consider himself being the only one or even, you know, a group of 32,000, 10,000 or even 300 of them to fight them would seem, feel impossible. But God's in a way, narrows this down and says, Gideon, it's going to be if you're fighting against one man. For Gideon, it would have done something to think, yeah, this might just be possible. There is more of a chance if I'm fighting one person, and God says this to Gideon to remind him and to remind us that sometimes in life it just takes one intentional step at a time. One step to change. 
one decision to move ahead. We, we sometimes think I have so far to go. I have so many things in my life that aren't right, so many issues to deal with, uh, so many places I'd rather be right now. And we forget that we are one decision away of moving closer to who God wants us to be. It's one small step at a time sometimes. Uh, continue in Judges chapter 6, verse 25, we read, God says to Gideon, Pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Now, that phrase, again, encourages us in two ways. God gives Gideon an initial strategy, even though it's going to mean actually going against, because from what we read here, going against his family, what we read here, his father was one of the priests of Baal, the God that they weren't supposed to worship. Yet Gideon is given this strategy to start. And it's interesting because as you read the story, you can see that once Gideon took that step to act on this, even in his own fear, God put his plan in motion for what God wanted to do in and through Gideon's life. And then finally in Judges chapter 7, verse 17, after Gideon is ready, he's heard the dream, he's ready to take them into battle, he says this phrase to those 300 that are with him. Keep your eyes on me. Do just as I do. Gideon led his warriors when they didn't know all the details of the battle plan. They had never battled like this before. They, they had seen battle. They had been in battle, but this was something new. And Gideon said, keep your eyes on me. Do what I do because we're not going to fight like we had before. God is going to do the fight for us. Point of it is this. If you want to overcome self-consciousness or that uh, struggle with, uh, with pride or self-humility or the need to prove yourself or even your leadership, go through life taking one step at a time. And sometimes in our life we need to go, God, this is the next step. Show me what to do. I'm going to take this next step and I'm going to trust that you're leading me. But we have to keep moving forward. And most importantly, we have to keep our eyes on our leader, Jesus, knowing that he has a plan and we have to trust him. Better than trying to figure out next steps is envisioning who God wants you to become and work backwards. Who is that person that you sense God wants you to become? And then envision that and work backwards and go, what are the steps, the strategy, the intentional plan that I need to make, the step I need to take today or tomorrow to be on the path to becoming who God wants me to be? Ask yourself this then. What must I do today to become who God has planned for me to be tomorrow? And your story, and I really believe this, your story can be a lesson in God working out His will in spite of you or with you. And the choice is up to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that if we are believers and followers of you, if we've made a decision, that you're with us. We just embrace that as we are watching today that truth that you were with us. 
And I know that many of us, myself included, struggle at times with self-doubt or indecisiveness or self-consciousness. And we, we struggle with pride and some of the issues around that. God, today we just want to admit that we want to be different. We want to live lives of faith, but our flaws so often get in the way and you know us so well, and even our flaws, but you know our heart. And today we want to be changed. We want to be different. We want to be heroes of faith, the heroes of faith that you have planned for us to become. And so God, thank you today for seeing something in us but don't leave us as we are. God, would you cause change and transformation to happen in our lives so that we would begin to obey you, God, to do what you want us to do. God, that we would begin to trust you, even in areas of our life that maybe we've never trusted you before. It'll require us to take one uh, small step and say, God, I'm gonna trust you with this area. I can't do anything else. In my desperation, God, help me in this area. And God, help us then to trust you that you are working out the details, even though we are not seeing the answers happen or the things take place that we want. And finally, would you help us to be intentional? Would you show us the steps that we need to take today and tomorrow when we get to tomorrow and each day so that we can be on this path towards becoming who you want us to be? And I thank you, God, today that you are committed to that and that you are already working and that you're using what we're hearing even today as we've been watching to spark something fresh and new in us to become heroes of faith. And we thank you for this today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.